Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 130. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you've been listening, thank you so much for coming on back to the show. And before we get started today, I just want to say a huge thank you to everybody who has left ratings and reviews. This past week, there was like three or four new reviews and My heart was just bursting every time I read one because first of all, just reading the kind words from, you know, listeners who appreciate the podcast and have found it helpful and just that it's resonated with them. That really means everything to me. It's really why I do the show. And not only that, but those reviews and ratings, I don't really understand all the mystical algorithms and whatnot that go into it, but they really do help other people to find the show. The more ratings and reviews the show gets, the easier it is for someone to find it who could really benefit from listening. So thank you so much. Truly, it means so much to me. If you have not left a rating or review and you would be so kind to take a moment to do that, I would be forever grateful. Um, If you can leave a few kind words, that would be amazing. If not, just tap in that five star also really helps. (laughs) So thank you so much. And today I am super excited for this episode. My guest is Jackie Killam and she is an autism mom. She is an educator. She really is just an amazing lady and she had reached out to me as a listener and she wanted to share her story. Jackie has been in the game for quite a while. She is going to talk about her her twin daughters who both are on the spectrum and they are adults now. Um, just full disclosure, her, like I said, her she has twin daughters and we talk about both of them, but very tragically, her daughter Tamara passed away in 2016. So I just, I wanted to mention this in the, the top of the show and we we do touch on it on the episode But obviously, it's, you know, very sensitive, and we do not get into any of, like, the specifics of her her daughter's passing, and that was really, you know, Jackie's decision, and of course, I completely respect that. So, we do talk about her daughters, and we talk about you know, how, how her, her living daughter, Brooke is doing now. She, I mean, she's an adult now. Her daughters were born in 1990. So she's, like I said, she's been in the game for a long time and she just has so much wisdom to share. And that was really when she had reached out to me, what she wanted to convey on this episode. She wanted to, you know, share her story for younger parents who, you know, are are still on newer a, a newer journey and to kind of share some of those pearls of wisdom and my goodness she definitely does Jackie is just so sincere and heartfelt and I've I've gotten to know her a little bit just from you know doing this podcast with her and truly I'm just blown away by her strength and her bravery and honesty 
along with her daughter, Brooke, her living daughter. Um, she's just incredible. And I'm, I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this episode because I, I really feel like there's so much that she gives and it's, it, I just think it's really important. So I just wanted to give that, that little disclaimer at the top, but I, I know that you guys will absolutely love this episode and love Jackie because she is, oh my gosh, she's amazing. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Jackie. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super excited to hear your story. I know a little bit just because you and I have been have been kind of chatting, but I am very excited for you to kind of take us back to the beginning because you have an adult daughter on the spectrum. So you and I were actually chatting a couple of days ago. You know, things looked very different in the 90s as opposed to how they look now. So I'm really excited to kind of hear how all that went for you guys and just kind of how you're doing today. So if you will take us back to the beginning, I would love to hear. Sure. Yes. Thank you. Um, and again, thank you for having me. I really, um, I really enjoy listening to your podcast. And I also just um, think it's so important to share, um, you know, parents. It's important of all, you know, all over that have children with yeah. autism that can share their story. Because it may Thank help you. somebody. So, yes. So, um, yeah, so I'll take you back. Um, so I have twin daughters. Um, one of them passed away in 2016. Um, they were born in 1990. Um, their names were, well, my daughter's name was Tamara. And I have a daughter. Uh, my other loving daughter is Brooke. And... Um, so they were born in 1990. Um, my pregnancy went extremely well. Um, I was extremely excited. You know, these were my, my, my first pregnancy. And then to find out that I was going to have twins, I didn't even find out until I was five months along. So, um, but, uh, you know, of course that brought a lot of, um, you know, a little bit of anxiety or, you know, um, but um, nonetheless, the pregnancy went great. Um, however, I did go into labor, uh, seven weeks early. So the girls were delivered and they were, they weighed four, two and four, six. They were quite small. And, um, so they had to be in the NI, uh, intensive care for, for infants. And, um, uh, so they couldn't go home until they were there they were there five days so they couldn't go home with me um that was really scary it was a scary experience um Mm -hmm. and uh when I did bring them home um you know just they're so small um they you know we we had to feed them um these tiny little bottles look like little tiny doll bottles and I remember just crying (laughs) and because and I mean my family helped me everybody was there with me um, I had a lot of support at that time, but it was just so scary because, um, you know, at that time, um, because they were born early, they didn't have the ability to suck, which is what the doctor told me. So their ability to like battle or suck on a breast was not really um, formed yet. So we had to feed them these bottles, keep we had them every two hours. And so it was really, really scary. So but you know um as time went on they did well they were um they were developing quite well um 
reaching every mile. And because my background is in child development and child psychology, um, I had a lot of information that I knew prior to, I had already been working with kids like by the age of 16 and then went, went to school, got out of um, high school. And so I had a lot of knowledge of child development. I had a lot of knowledge of, you know, where, what the expectations were at which stage of development, you know, what they should, you know, the milestones they should be meeting. So I was always very cognizant of that. I come across in my career uh, working with um, children. I had come across one student back in, it was probably the mid eighties. Um, or no, probably ladies, um, when I discovered that there was one of my students that had autism, um, quite um, profound, had a lot of difficulties. We had no knowledge really back then was other than I want to see in the DSM, it was considered to be um, and classified as a different disorder as it is now. So it, just, it strikes me so odd how things have progressed. But I mean, back then we just, we were very you know, we didn't have a lot of knowledge. Um, and mm -hmm. so um, there was things that, you know, I kind of knew the characteristics of what or the symptoms that the child had. And then later on, as I got into my career at another place, I discovered that there were twin boys that had autism and was in my class, um, preschool kids. And uh, I just remember thinking back then, and my girls were already born at the time, but weren't diagnosed. And I remember how heartbreaking that must be to know that you have two that are diagnosed mm -hmm. and then it was probably a year later that my children um, were diagnosed but I like I said I had a lot of knowledge so there was things that I was seeing one was that the, the emergent you know they started emerging with language and that was about nine months so just you know your 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 one word you know, but it was coming, mm -hmm. you know, and it was flowing. It was, you know, so I, I kind of, I was happy to see that and happy to hear, you know, but <laughs> then my daughter, Tamara, who had, was on the spectrum of the more severe, um, she was more severe. She just became more withdrawn. Just stop talking, no more language, no more language was emerging. There was nothing. Brooke didn't really stop um, developing, but there was, I mean, Tamara was developing okay, but there was no, like there's social interactions in comparison to other children that they were with. There, there was nothing. There was no real connection. There was some connection between them before, but then it just started kind of dissipating. And I noticed that Brooke just kind of ceased. Tamara ceased too in talking, uh, and I was very concerned because I, I had, mm -hmm. you know, recollected back thinking this can't be happening because I'm, if I'm seeing what I'm seeing, is this autism? Is this, you know, um, I told my family, they were like, no, 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 that's not it. Don't worry. I think you're just, you know, my friends, they're like, no, that you're just, you're just a little overprotective thinking things that aren't there. And, but then my sister, who's also very knowledgeable and stuff like that. She reads a lot. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of seeing, cause she had a daughter that was the same age. So she's like, do you think it's autism? Because I mean, there's just something that, and I said, I don't know, but I'm going to take him to the doctor. And this is when the journey began. 
Um, it was long. It was arduous. It was um, a battery of tests. It we're talking, you know, um, they had to go to neurology to, I mean, every step. And their first, um, the first step with the pediatrician was not good either. That was like, no, you know, I mean, that's not what it is. You're just, you know, it was denial in every sense, um, which mm -hmm. kind of attribute just to probably not enough training, not enough understanding of what autism was back in the 90s. So, I would say this was like 93 and um, um, it wasn't until we got to psychi psychiatry that they didn't, it, I don't know if this is anybody else's experience, but it just seems like they never wanted to tell you the word, but it was like, they would tell you this is what was wrong, but they never said the word autism. It was never brought up in the conversation ever from any of doctors at all. And the only one that I think kind of gave me the suspicion, and I knew already because I was reading up on everything and I, and I kind of knew, but they just were telling me, and I don't know why they weren't telling me this, but it wasn't until I got to um, OT um, through our insurance that she just kind of laid it all on me and just said, this is a lifelong disability. She didn't tell me it was autism. She just told me straight out. She was very brazen, very bold. And I just remember going home and crying and crying. I, it's, it's almost like I knew, but I didn't want to hear it. I don't know if it was just maybe that <laughs> part of my denial, but, um, I knew, um, but she was helpful. She made me more, I want to say she made me a little bit to, you know, to challenge it, you know, to know that this was, this was going to be what, what it, what it was. I was going to have to deal with this. Mm -hmm. So I got all the information, um, through her on where to go next. And so that was, um, the regional center we call California. I'm not sure what other States call it, but it's our, um, it's your agency that's going to help with getting you and your children all the services they need. Um, and uh, through not only their agency, but through the school system. So my girls started school at three and a half um, in the special uh, needs uh, preschool class. Um, they were throughout their lives uh, together at some points. But because my daughter Tamara's um, challenges and needs were more apparent, they would put them in separate classes. Brooke, Brooke began to start, she began to start with more language as she progressed into school. Tamara's was always more echolalic. Um, she, it she could, she had a phenomenal memory. She could kind of read, if that makes sense, but it was, you couldn't hear the pronunciations really clearly. Um, she had a phenomenal memory where she knew exactly where things were in my, I couldn't even think of, you know, my brain doesn't have that capacity to remember like um, order and numbers and things like that. She just had this phenomenal memory for stuff like that. But um, she never had the language. She she just continued to um, uh, 
she, you know, just, I mean, it, it wasn't that there was not a lot of progress, but there was still that, you know, the language that she needed was not there and it never did merge as, as well as Brooks did to the point where Brooke is able to carry on somewhat of a conversation, but there is a lot of still deficits. But um, uh, as far as um, their education and uh, in those areas, I want to say that they've had some tremendous teachers, some really outstanding individuals that went 100% and beyond that made all the difference. And um, if I could go back a little, um, we also got our girls um, when they were age four into a program at a local university, which was, uh, they were doing, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with discrete trials. Um, it's okay. So mm -hmm. it's, 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 at that time it was called LOVAS. That's named after Ivar Lovas who created this, um, uh, these discrete trials, tr uh, I guess it's discrete mm -hmm. trial training. And um, so this university at that time was using uh, this as uh, sort of um, intensive, tr intensive treatment at the time. So we would go once a week for, we went there for four years. And as the children were in, as girls, my girls were in the training, um, we would be, the parents would be in um, a counseling session with the licensed therapist and other parents. So at that time, we could exchange ideas. We could, you know, just kind of vent. It was really also very educational for us because we learned about different things, um, resources, um, trainings for parents and things like that. Um, the only downfall was to that at the time is that in the group and also people we came across that would really push parents to fight the system and I mean the educational system. So they would say, no, these are your rights. This is what you need to be doing. If you're not doing it, you're not, a, you know, they didn't say it in this, this same way, but you got the feeling that if you weren't doing it the way they asked or kind of told you, you weren't being a good parent or an effective parent. Um, but we, we, um, my ex-husband was very good at um, challenging principals, superintendents, things like, you know, all those different entities. And, and we've, you know, uh, we were young. We didn't really have, I want to say, the maturity, um, the experience to really know how to negotiate things real well. Um, he kind of was a more, um, he didn't really have a filter sometimes. He just kind of said what he felt. And at times I thought that really hurt our girls um, and their um, their path, I guess, and their journey and their, you know, just their education in general. It, um, I don't think, I think it's important to be an advocate. I think it's important to always have an advocate when you need it. But I don't think it's always, to me, in my experience, was not always beneficial to fight with these people. Because, yes, there was things that you're, if you're not getting, those things are important. Um, but, however, sometimes it was at the expense of hurting uh, the people in the classroom that were the ones that were really mm -hmm. working with my children. Um, and uh, 
forget all the bureaucrats. You know, um, I work in education, so I kind of know this with just superintendents and principals, but the, the real people, the real kind of nuts and bolts are those people working with your kids, those teachers. And I, I had such a great respect for special ed teachers because of everything that they did for my kids. I mean, I had two of them come out to my own residence and, and work with my kids for two weeks to, um, on weekends uh, to potty train them when they were six years old. Because at six, they weren't potty trained and they actually did that on their own time. But, you know, they didn't work getting paid. So, you know, if I can leave any kind of um, advice other parents, it would be definitely really embrace those teachers that are with your kids because they're the most important. They really are. They do so much. Their heart is completely in it. Uh, you're not, you're going to find some that may not be as invested as others, but my experience was there was just great teachers. So, uh, yeah, so that's a little bit of, um, my experience with, um, daughters, but, um, so they went on to school until they were 21 and, uh, and so now I have my daughter, Brooke, my, as I said before, my daughter, Tamara, we lost her to an accident in 2016. That was really challenging. It was um, very hard on Brooke, um, myself, of course. Um, we are now both in counseling and uh, Brooke is actually um, working with a therapist on her PTSD because Brooke happened to be um, a part of the accident, but she, she was, she actually survived. So, um, that's been quite an experience for her. Add autism on that. And that's a challenge. Um, she's got, uh, a lot of issues with PTSD right now that we're working through. And we're also uh, just now realizing that all these years that we I didn't know that she should have been getting um, ABA training or ABA services. Um, so mm -hmm. um, that was something that was brought up. And now we're working on that for her as an adult, because um, even though that is something that they really like working on as, you know, early intervention, um, it's still, she can benefit from it. And that's what her therapist and um, uh, also her PDH, I mean, sorry, her family physician has said. So, um, so those are things we're working on right now, but yeah, so that's a little bit of my journey. Wow. Yeah, quite a journey. First of all, I just have to say, I'm so sorry about the loss of your daughter. Thank I, you. I don't want to, I'm, I'm extremely emotional and I'll get weepy if I say too much, but I, I just, your courage and bravery and your daughters as well, um, is, is really something spectacular. So thank you, um, for sharing that. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm just so sorry. I, I really was nodding along to so much of, of what you were saying. Um, and it's interesting because you, you just said that your daughter 
didn't do ABA when she was a child, but discrete trials are a part of ABA. So it's like, I guess so. When you think that. about it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You are very right. It's <laughs> just a different form, probably. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's how, when you said, if I was familiar, like we, Logan, we're kind of taking a pause from ABA right now, but we have done ABA for the past four years in home. Um, so, and discrete trials are like one of the programs they, okay. they do in ABA. So, I mean, she got it to, to some extent. I love how you said that, you know, your, your kids would go and do their therapy and then you would do like yes. kind of group therapy. Mm-hmm. It sounds like. Exactly. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine how beneficial that would be, especially back then, because it wasn't like there was the internet or, you know, these kind of like online communities that you could find. So how was that for you, like connecting and, and talking with other parents? Did you find oh, that to be tremendous. helpful? It was great. Um, we met a lot of people that became uh, lifelong friends. Um, I think not only was that... Um, little community great for my family but um, and and just in general just meeting other women that you know moms that you could you had something very much in common with Um, but it also um, I think the just the counseling itself was very validating because um, back then like you say it's um, and I, I may not have touched too much this but there was really limited resources and and like i i know we spoke earlier about me i reside in california so um we really did have more we were a little more progressive here in california back even in the 90s when it was one in every ten thousand births if you could kind of wrap your head around that mm-hmm. one in every ten thousand births was the um that was the I can't even think that was what, what the, what it was said back then, but now it's completely, you know, yeah. changed. Um, and I'm not sure really, I know there's a lot of research, but I, I haven't really looked into really why the, those have changed. Those numbers have changed, but there's statistics, but um, it, it was, it was um, just not having those resources are enough Um that community that we had was like our lifeline, I guess. And, um, but, um, and, and, you know, it, they also helped me because I had, if you can imagine, and I'm, I want to say this to all parents because I don't think this is, there's ever been enough information for parents on this, but when you go through an experience of having a child that's diagnosed with autism, you lose that sense of, it's grief. It's like you're going through grief. Mm-hmm. These emotions that you, you know, the what have, why, you know, why me? Why did this happen to me? Why are my children, you know? So you, you kind of go through that grief process pretty much the same as losing a child. I don't know. It, it's maybe not be the same. May, I don't want to take away from losing a child in real life because I've experienced that as well. But it's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, very painful experience. And I don't think enough is given to parents who have a child that's, that has a developmental disability, a physical disability. I don't think a lot of merit is put on that. Um, and at one point I was, I was actually going to, um, 
I was going to school in uh, graduate, I was in graduate school to become an MFT. And um, at the time I had to stop as three quarters of the way done, but I stopped because I was, I went through the, a divorce and, and just things were just really challenging at that time with my kids. It was just before um, my daughter Tamara passed. So, um, but I didn't finish that. And I really wished I would have, but one of the things I really wanted to go into was uh, uh, grief counseling for parents and parents on every level. You know, I, I really thought seriously about mm -hmm. parents that have children with special needs. Um, but I, I do want to say that, that, um, that it did help me, our little community that we, you know, our, our weekly little counseling sessions helped because I was going through not only the sadness and grief, but I was angry. I'm telling you, I was, I was angrier than mm -hmm. hell. I was mad when I would see perfect children. I was mad when I would, you know, and I kept thinking, why, what, what am I, you know, I knew, you know, I knew why, but I was, it's just processing because, you know, you go into a restaurant, you've got your kids. My kids, I always try to make sure that they had their hair all perfect and nice and bows. And, you know, I just love dressing them up and mm -hmm. go into a restaurant, we'd be traveling or whatever. And, you know, my kids would start with a little meltdown or something and I'd get the looks. And, you know, as much as I try to compose myself, there were times when I was not pleasant. And in retrospect, when I look back now, I know um, I've I yelled at people. Mm -hmm. What are you looking at? Do you have a problem? What do you, you know, it just, I mean, I would really throw people off guard. They would just like completely turn, you know, become embarrassed. I, and I had no embarrassment. I guess I was just to the point where, you know, I'm going to defend my child. It was stuff that mama bear came out, you know, it was very, mm -hmm. very difficult. And, and I remember someone sitting me down and saying, you know what? much more of an advocate and teaching people to be more aware of what's going on instead of being so combative and angry. And it took me a lot because I had to go through counseling just to get through that. Um, and, and, you know, I was, I was a young mom. I was still in my twenties. I wasn't real, you know, there's a lot of things that I wasn't really, you know, mature about and how I handled some of my, you know, parenting, I guess. And um, so there's a lot of things I learned, not only about being a parent of autistic kids, but about myself uh, through counseling that really um, helped me get through that difficult part. Yeah, absolutely. I was also, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. And then kind of back to what you were saying about your husband being kind of more like combative in those, those meetings and you know how you were saying like <laughs> he didn't have a filter uh, or even like in those, those group therapy sessions, you were saying, it seemed like they were kind of like pushing you to be like that, that parent that was, you know, kind of like looking for a fight, so to speak. Um, I feel like that is something, I mean, I think we all have different personality types and some, some people are just going to be more, combative than others. Um, but I think that's something that I had to learn as well, because I think when, when the journey kind of first started for me, I remember going to, you know, IEP meetings and just kind of 
feeling emotional and like being like overcome, like every time just feeling overcome with emotion and crying and feeling like, so still like how you were saying, like still kind of grieving everything. And I feel like those feelings would really come up like in those type of meetings. But then as time went on and I kind of was able to sort of work through that and process those feelings, then I feel like I kind of became that parent who was like, not looking for a fight, but like not afraid to back down from a fight. And honestly, that's just who I am in general. But I totally agree with what you're saying about having that like little bit softer approach is I think in the end, I mean, I think it depends on the situation, obviously, but I really think it benefits your kids. Cause like you said, these are the people, you know, the people that are working with your kids every day. You don't, you want to like foster those relationships. You don't want to harm them. And I think it's such a fine line, but I really appreciate what you're saying. Cause I think there is this kind of stigma or this sort of idea that like, you know, the autism mom or parent dad, whoever has to be this kind of like ass kicker. And I think that's great. Like I'm all about that, but I also think if we are going to really support our kids and advocate for them and just kind of be the best advocate we can be, it really is more about kind of how you said the person who pulled you aside and said, you know, you can really like educate more. So that's really the approach that I take now. If I ever am in kind of an uncomfortable situation, whether it's a stranger or someone I know or whatever, Instead of, you know, kind of getting either for me, like the the two, it, it would either be sadness and like crying or anger. I really kind of take a step back now and take a breath and use those moments to educate. And I feel like that to me is the best approach you can take, in my opinion. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that, especially as someone who has lived yeah. this for a long time. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm hoping that um, when I... Uh, conveyed that that it came across as um, something that I'm I'm somewhat um, I want to say I'm I'm proud of always standing up for my kids but I always you know I have to think back because you know um, my life back then was different I was much younger um, had you know not as much life experience as I do now so you know, there's things that I've, I've probably approached back then that may not have been in the best interest of my children, but, um, but also I've learned that there are ways to get your point across, to advocate, but that can be done, that can be done civilly with great discourse and with hostility and anger. I mean, you, yes, I think it's important that we continually keep the fight up. I, I would never discourage a parent from ever doing that because there are things, there are things that are withheld uh, from us that we don't know about, that we're not made aware of for lack of, I want to say, I guess, just the bureaucracy of school districts, money and budgets and things like that. Um, so I do think that it's, it's to continue that fight but if you're going to do it just make sure that when you do it make sure that you've you know you have your homework done that you've really um considered all areas um and that you've considered also how it's going to impact your your child in the classroom because like i said i i and, and maybe i'm a little biased when i say this because you know i'm an educator myself but i have such such great respect for teachers i mean um, and this is 
knowing them, knowing what uh, everything entails just to be a teacher in special ed. Uh, so I know that um, if we can all be partners and to make sure that you're a partner with your child's teacher and all the teachers throughout their years in, in education, they're gonna be better off if you create that partnership early. Mm. But um, yeah, it's like I said, I don't wanna discourage anyone from not um, being, uh, you know, also for not, you know, if you need an advocate, certainly that's something you're entitled to. I've had advocates for my children as well in many IEPs, in many um, meetings with um, the regional center agency. So um, and this was, I think, um, those at those times, I really felt like it was needed. Um, so yeah, exactly. No, I, that's what you're, what you're saying is exactly what I took from it. And I, I completely agree. I think there are times when yeah. <laughs> you really do need to kind of throw down. <laughs> um, and those, those times are definitely warranted. And I think same, if you, I've had advocates on the show before, I think if you're in a situation where you, you need an advocate and, you know, or, or, or you just feel like it would be helpful to you you know, I say, go for it. I mean, more like it, like, like I was like, kind of how you were saying in the group, it seemed like they were like, look, like kind of almost like telling mm -hmm. you guys to like, look for the fights. Maybe I took that wrong, but that's kind of what I, what I, what I was hearing you saying. And I, I think sometimes there is that kind of perception of like the, the autism parent, the special needs parent who, who is, no, looking you for are. the fight. I don't know if I'm saying, saying that, that right because um, <laughs> I, I think we're all, you know, pretty aware that there's certain personalities that are going to be, you know, you're going to find that everywhere you go. And um, th this in our particular group, mm -hmm. um, we just happen to have a couple that was very, um, 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 they they seemed to want to but the system all the time, you know, and and it was a little discouraging for me mm -hmm. because I wasn't clear on you know the motivation behind it and I looked to our counselor who would kind of um, mediate the whole session so um, I really at that time had a little confusion about you know what is really the goal here you know I want to know um, if I'm doing the right thing I want to make sure that yes I'm advocating um, as much as I can for my children. And, um, but yet I don't want to, and, and I don't want to say go overboard because sometimes you have to there. I mean, you have to maybe take the fight a little, you know, with a little more ass kicking, you know what I mean? Um, but I just, at that time, there was a confusion. <laughs> there were people that were just coming at us and they were really coming a lot at my ex-husband because he was one of them. He would, uh, demand things, um, which, we, and we had a lot of, um, you know, sometimes we weren't always in agreement on that, on what, you know, what we thought was the best, you know, the best thing for our daughters. Um, and, and then there was a point where I felt like we were starting to get a name, you know, almost like branded, like here comes the parents with the problems all the time where they, you know, and that's not, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to be pro, you know, proactive in things. I wanted to make sure that what I was doing was for the right intention. Um, but, but again, this was back in the nineties. So 
um, you know, uh, maybe the fight was more important. Maybe we, in some sense, paved the way for other parents. So I have to look at both perspectives, I guess, because, um, you know, I, I want to say that there were others before, before me, other parents before me and, you know, my girls that paved the way for us to get, you know, you know, better resources. So, you know, I was just mm-hmm. trying to be open at the time, but it was, it was really hard. And, and now, like I said, in retrospect, I look back and I think we've come a long way. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I think, like you said, I think parents, you know, with older adult children, I think definitely have paved the way. I think that, you know, parents like me or people, parents with younger kids, I think we have a lot to learn, you know, from parents who have, who've done this for many years and, and, and under really different circumstances. Cause like you said, things are, things are definitely different now. And I think they, they have changed for the better, but we still have a long ways to go. (laughs) Sure. Um, One of the things that I know you and I wanted to talk about a little bit, and I feel like we've kind of mentioned it because you said that you um, had gone to therapy and like working through that grief, which I really appreciate you saying too, because I think grief has come up on the show a few times, but I, I really do think it's something that you do need to process and work through. And I think a lot of times we get so caught up in, you know, what's the next step and finding the right therapy and talking to the teacher. Like, it's like, there's, there's always so much going on that we don't necessarily process our own feelings or we kind of put off that, that whole thing. And then it's like, they're they're just waiting for you. They're not going anywhere. (laughs) Um, Yes. So I I do appreciate what you're saying about grief, but as far as like self-care, are there things that you look back on and you wish that you maybe would have done differently or just things that you've learned in that time? 100%. I, I cannot stress or emphasize enough that, you know, when I look back and I think um, uh, my ex-husband and I, we put in a complete I mean, all, everything that we lived and breathed was autism. I mean, we focused so much on it. We were constantly um, bombarded with information. Uh, I mean, we didn't even have, well, let's see, the internet didn't really start back. It did start, wasn't, that wasn't where we were getting our information from, mostly from just other resources, trainings and different things like that. But we were so focused and on all of that and, um, of course, focused on our kids, which parents should be. And that's, that's important, of course. Um, But there, you know, there came a point where um, everything was focused on that. And as the girls, okay, so uh, my uh, daughter's pediatrician had mentioned that, um, that it was possible that my girls were going to need, um, or possible that it might be that they would need medication um, when going through puberty, uh, which was very common, I guess, um, with autistic children. Um, so that to be prepared for that. Um, and um, Tamara was, there. it was advised, um, she, they had both went through a program at Cal State LA where they did this intensive um, 
observations and uh, different by seen by a team of, of like a multidisciplinary team of, of um, you know, doctors, behaviorists, um, psychologists, uh, child, um, child pediatrician, uh, all kinds of the whole gamut um, had done intensive like um, observations on them to kind of see what was the best plan for them and also to relate that back to their educational goals and their IEPs. And uh, so um, at that time, they did mention that, you know, it was going to, it would possible, it's going to be possible that they will need medication. Um, and they did advise that Tamara be put on Prozac for some of her repetitive behaviors, um, which I was very against because I was concerned because she wasn't, she wasn't talking. And um, so I did, I, I didn't want to um, not take their advice. So I kind of thought about it. And then I talked to um, her teachers and said, if there's any point where it's becoming a problem, you know, I will have to refer back to her pediatrician and we'll have to put her on meds. And they said, that's fine. We're going to, we're just going to keep, you know, observing her. Neither one of them ever needed it. I've never have either. And that's not because I'm not an advocate for medication. It's just, they just, they were able to go through school and there had never been issues. I always wanted to make sure, were they impeding other children's education? Was there behaviors that were impeding other students? And there was never an issue. It wasn't brought up in IEPs. So they said, no, we at this time don't think that it's, it's um, needed. And so there was never a point where I ever needed medication for either one of them. Um, but um, so, uh, but to go back to um, what I think is important for families to, uh, to, un to kind of have an idea or an understanding is, is that your efforts to help your children are extremely important. These are your children. You are their, you're their parent, you're their educator, you know, you're everything, you're, you're their advocate do that, do whatever you can to help your child to the fullest extent, but don't ignore. And I say this from experience, don't ignore your needs, your self-care because eventually it's going to come back and it's going to be not good. And in my case, it wasn't it. Um, I don't want to say that it completely broke down my marriage, but there were, there were things about what was going on with our kids that certainly were a factor, but there were other issues. There were other issues with my ex-husband. He had his own mental health issues. And um, so, but I believe that, that if you're putting all your efforts into your children, you're not, you're just completely bypassing your own self-care. You are going to have some problems. You just, it's, it's so important. You are no good to your kids if you're not taking care of yourself. And so I can't stress that enough. If it, if it means going to therapy, if it means, you know, taking breaks as, you know, taking little vacations or little weekends to get away, to do something for yourself, do it because it's important. Um, I know it's harder for younger parents because when your kids are little, they, their needs are greater, but, um, you know, take advantage of respite care, take advantage of, um, you know, family that can support you that, you know, with their help, you know, taking care of your kids when you can get a break um, for moms, just get out there, do go get some exercise, you know, join other, you know, join other communities besides 
autism. I mean, yes, that's important to keep keep um, those little communities open. You know, you want to still do, you know, keep in contact with those moms or those other friends that have, you know, children that are also autistic because that's that's important too. But also branch out, just just um, kind of leave your options open for other things because you want to have that mindset of of embracing a lot of things and not being completely focused on on that all the time. Um, but I believe it just being well-rounded. Um, but never feel bad if you feel like you need someone to talk to, you need professional guidance. It's so important because in retrospect, I wish I would have gotten it much earlier than I did. Um, and now that I'm older, I just, I embrace it so much. It's, it's important to me. It's important for my child as well, you know, that she's in therapy and, and they're modifying her therapy because she's autistic, which is great. And um, so if I could leave that little advice for, for young parents, for parents of teenage, teenagers that are autistic, everything, you know, adults get, um, get as much help as you can and take care of you too, because you're important too. And like I said, you're not any good to your kids if you're not well. Absolutely. I, I think that's like the best advice you really can give to anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But especially when you, you know, have this extra layer of, of having a child on the spectrum, there's, there's definitely just a lot going on. And like you said, when your kids are young, they're, there's, you know, they're, they're more needy as it is. So finding those times and, and figuring out how to make self-care work for you, I think can be a challenge, but it's the reward is so great. And that's something that I, we talk about a lot on the podcast and I, I really put it into practice for myself this past year and I can really see the benefits of it. So I'm excited to kind of keep going with that. And like you said, like any, anything you can do, whether it's just taking time away with your partner or on your own going to therapy. I think that that is just always wonderful advice. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jackie, it's been such a delight to chat with you. Thank you so much for just being so open and sincere. You from the, the time you first emailed me, I just could tell that you are, you just have a lot of heart and I, I really appreciate everything you shared here today. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Megan. I really appreciate um, the opportunity. I loved being on the show and I just love talking to you. It's great. Uh, And I hope my story will help someone, you know, maybe it'll, maybe it will. I'm just, that's my hope. And that's why I shared. I just want to, I just want to be a part of the solution for somebody. (laughs) Yeah, I, I definitely think it will. Well, thank you so much. And you take care. Okay. Thank you, Megan. Okay. Bye. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. 
It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well. But you can pick from any of their titles. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Jackie. Isn't she just incredible? I, I really felt so touched by her story and everything she shared. I always appreciate having, you know, a parent who has been around the block <laughs> in terms of this autism journey and, you know, just hearing their perspective, especially because things are so different now, just in terms of like community and support. So I, I really, I just appreciate the perspective so much. I love hearing from younger parents too. And I actually have a, a few episodes coming up with parents who are, you know, more newly diagnosed and newer to this whole process. And I, I feel like it's important to share all those perspectives because, you know, every point of this journey is important. Uh, but the people like Jackie, who I feel like I can really learn from, and I'm sure you guys feel that way too, I just think it's so valuable to to hear from them. And again, I just I'm really blown away by Jackie and just her her whole story and her strength. And I'm so thankful that she reached out and wanted to be a guest on the show because I just so enjoyed having her and getting to know her. So that is all for today. And like I said at the top of the show, if you have been listening and enjoying the show, I would be so appreciative if you would just take a moment to, you know, tap that five star. If you have time to leave a review, that would be amazing. But truly, that means the world to me. Um, if you like to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love hearing from you guys. If you have questions, feedback, I got a, a ton of awesome feedback after last week's episode, my first hot topic where I talked all about our AAC journey, and I got many suggestions for hot topics coming up in the future. So be on the lookout for that. Definitely some more hot topics coming. You guys seemed excited about that, and I am too. Um, so definitely stay tuned for all the hot topics. Um, but that is all for now. So until next time, take care.